0: Hey friends, my name is Johnny. You're listening to the High Fives Podcast. This episode is about seeking help. And uh, this one's going to be a little different because for my other ones, I just constructed a very loose outline and just sort of riffed and improvised based around that outline. And I think it sounds pretty natural and conversational. But this one, I actually wrote every single word out. Uh, so the give here is that I'm not going to forget everything and the entire story, the way I want it to be told is going to be told, but the human element is going to be a little bit lacking, unfortunately, which is important because I'm not a very good reader. I mean, I can read words and I can interpret words, but in terms of like reading shit out loud, it doesn't really sound natural. Uh, So just bear with me, because I think the words here and the story is important. Obviously, the human element is important as well, but for this particular episode, we're going to have to cut a little bit of that so that the overall narrative can live. Asking for help is one of the hardest fucking things you can do, especially when you struggle with depression. For many reasons, there's long existed a stigma that asking for help is a sign of weakness or that what you're feeling is not valid. And let's just call that what it is. It's a load of fucking bullshit. Asking for help is one of the strongest and bravest things that anybody could ever do. While seeking the help that we need and deserve can ultimately be intensely and profoundly rewarding, the process can also be endlessly frustrating and a total pain in the ass. I'm fortunate enough to have a counselor now that promotes and excels my treatment to a degree that I never previously thought would have been possible. The first time I entered a counselor's office, however, it was so fucking defeating and honestly sort of confusing. I was in my first year of law school at the time studying for my final exam for law and psychiatry while in the lobby of the counselor's office studying involved memorizing all the symptoms and tests for various mental illness diagnoses, so at the time, I was sort of treating it like a game. Okay, he's going to diagnose me with major depression and bipolar disorder, because, I mean, who knows me better than I know myself, right? I've experienced this shit forever, so I was pretty sure that's what was going to go down. I also had a document that I had taken the liberty to write up, including all the discussion points I planned to bring to his attention, which was double-spaced, 12-point font, and in Times New Roman, because that's just the kind of man that I am. Hey, Vera, how you doing? I have this tendency, as do we all, to feel something very intensely, and then when the time comes to talk about it, to feel fine, and also feel like a total jackass for scheduling the appointment in the first place and wasting everyone's time by forgetting everything that I had previously felt. So I wrote down all my symptoms that I had a consistent history of feeling. Rapid mood swings from mania to extreme depression, sometimes fluctuating throughout the day, sometimes lasting for weeks on end, before the pendulum swung back to the other side, completely blowing right through the center. Persistent thoughts of suicide, feelings of worthlessness, blah, blah, blah. So he finally calls me back to his room and asks how I've been feeling. Like a hybrid between a robot and an alien, I just stared down at my properly executed thesis document and word vomited all over his floor and all over his tacky cardigan sweater. He then gave me the test for major depression, which I answered positively to all but one which if I recall was the lack of appetite question, because I just fucking eat all the time, no matter how sad I am. He then, as I predicted, administered the test for bipolar disorder, and I aced it. I don't think I got a single question wrong, which is how that works, right? And he said, and I quote, Congratulations, you also have bipolar disorder one. And I didn't really know the difference between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 until I googled it much later when I was bored. But apparently 1 is uh, the more severe between the two, which is kind of confusing because I thought the higher number would be worse, right? After all, isn't that how numbers usually work? So I'm just blowing right through this document and I'm not missing a beat until he tells me that's all we have time for today. So I say, okay, well, when do you want to see me back for my next appointment? To which he shoots back, never. I said, "Oh, uh, what do you mean never? He said, well, it seems like you have it all under control with your music and everything. And I said, yeah, it helps, but I'd also like this option available to me. And after a little back and forth, he just kept insisting that I didn't need it. And goddamn, in retrospect, I could have made my parents fucking rich <laughs> if I had killed myself. <laughs> That had malpractice lawsuit written all over it. But then again, maybe I'm just getting too caught up in my fancy law school exam that I was studying for. So I actually went to see that same guy again a separate time, like seven or eight months later, just to see if he had any additional insights to offer. And the exact same thing happened. So then I was just like, well, fuck me, I guess. Apparently, I just wasn't cut out for counseling. But then my parents were like, yeah, that guy sounds fucking incompetent and totally just isn't doing his job right. And that made me feel a lot better because both of them have had extremely positive counseling experiences in their lives. And that gave me hope that maybe there was a good one out there for me somewhere. Sorry, it's like 7.30 in the morning and I just woke up and got out of the shower, so... I'm still not fully up and running yet. Um, I'm doing this before work because it's Tuesday and I set a deadline for myself. So fast forward a year or so later, it was a Saturday morning around 9 or 10 a.m. I was just so fucking scraped out and I didn't really know what to do. So I was texting one of my best friends, Allison, and I'm pretty sure I was also sobbing (laughs) and I just felt like I was out of options. She offered to drive all the way up to Maslin, which is where I was living at the time, all the way from Columbus, which is where she was living at the time, because that's just how stellar of a human being Allison is. I told her that i I told her that that wouldn't be necessary, but I appreciated the offer. She made me promise her that I'd at least call a counselor and just go to one appointment, and I told her I think that sounded like a reasonable proposition. So I did what anybody would do and Googled counselors near me. It was a Saturday morning, so most places were closed down for the weekend. So I left a half a dozen awkward voicemails. If you hear any noise in the background, it's my cat scraping her litter box. It's pretty loud. My apartment's pretty, pretty small, so everything's in close proximity. Wow, that part even sounded like I read it, even though that's just me talking. I definitely didn't include that part in the written segment of this podcast episode. So I left about a half a dozen awkward voicemail voicemails, and they went a little something like this. Uh, yeah, my name is John, and I'd uh, like to uh, see a counselor because uh, sometimes I uh, feel sad, and maybe uh, if you had the time, I could talk to someone about it. But I'm sure you're all pretty busy, so it's no big deal if you can't. Anyway, my number is 330-265-8733 if you feel like calling back. But uh, you totally don't have to if you don't feel like it. Uh, that's okay, too. Okay, bye. Yeah, it was actually that bad. It was pretty fucking awkward. I'm horrible at leaving voicemails and talking to people on the phone. Is, uh you'll see here in a few sentences. Then I called the office of the counselor who had become my counselor consistently and remained my counselor to this day. I spoke with the administrative assistant and she asked what sort of counseling I needed because they had many different specialists at that location. She started off the conversation by saying, Hello, New Day Counseling, how may I help you? To which I replied, Hi, hello, yes, my name is John and I'd like to die, please. To which she replied, without skipping a beat, Okay, Corey's going to be your new counselor. So I saw him the next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. Until I started leveling out and going every two weeks, and then going every month, and now I'm seeing him every few months. And truthfully, I think I was a little too jaded to take that step on my own just based on my previous counseling experience. But Allison made me promise to just go to one appointment, and that small promise saved my fucking life. I also talked to some of my friends about their complications and obstacles with reaching out for help as well. I'm going to quote my friend, whose name I'll leave anonymous for privacy purposes, because if I attempt to paraphrase what she said, then I'd likely butcher it as she articulated her experience more accurately than I could ever hope to imagine to. She stated... It seems silly, but whenever I reached out before, probably because of my extremely sarcastic and mellow personality, I wasn't taken seriously by doctors or my family who all just said, yeah, anxiety and depression runs in our family. It wasn't until working in mental health that I was able to put into words what I was feeling in a way my doctors finally got. My family is a work in progress, but if I tell them I'm having a bad mental health day, they do try to help walk me through it more instead of just saying, oh, I'm sad or really depressed or anxious today. I've learned that verbiage is the key to getting help. And it feels really shitty to be dismissed when you finally reach out like, yeah, right, now I look fine, but you didn't see me mid-panic attack where it got so bad that I was vomiting and sobbing all over my bathroom floor. If you had, you probably wouldn't be saying that. I've gotten to be brutally honest because if I don't, then I'm not taken seriously. I get a lot of, oh, that's postpartum hormones, you'll be fine in a few weeks, or you just need more sleep, etc. because I'm a new mom and I have to tell people my daughter sleeps through the night, even though I do not. And that's what my friend described to me as her experience with first seeking help. And experiences like hers seem all too common because unlike having the common cold, nobody just believes what you tell them. When's the last time you told someone you had a headache and a mild fever and they combated you on the validity of your claim? With mental illness, it's like some of the field professionals just lean back and say, Dance monkey, you gotta fucking earn your crumbs. Nobody, nobody who reaches out about depression is trying to score drugs off, you motherfucker. People just want to be validated, they want to be understood, and they want to be heard. We want to be assured that our pain makes sense. I know that wasn't necessarily Freud's approach, but there's a lot of the old guard of the mental health field that we need to abandon. And I'm doing the best I ever have been in my life right now. I wouldn't be here without the encouragement to seek out professional help. But most importantly, I wouldn't be here without my mom and without my dad and without my best friends who understand all of the gritty details of my nonlinear trajectory and for everybody who's always reaching out and asking how I'm doing because they understand what living with depression is like. And I gotta say, I'm seriously so fucking grateful for the kindness and support for everybody in my life. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you skipped through the entire episode and landed here just to try to score the last few seconds, here's the too-long-didn't-listen summation. If somebody's reaching out and seeking help, whether to a friend, a family member, or a medical professional, they're not looking for a cure-all or for somebody to crack the code. People just want to be heard, understood, and to be told that their pain makes sense. Sometimes the way that we can be the most helpful is to just listen with an open mind and with an open heart. Thanks for listening, y'all. Stay safe. Stay sane. Have a good day. Peace. Gucci.